Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. You should have seen all she brought down. Sirens, ambulances, doctors, nurses, butchers, bakers. Some big fear you brought down, Whitney Nelson. That's me. And I, and I hate to do this, but... Oh, God. You must resign yourself to being extraordinary. Evan Wells. <laughs> Done. <laughs> there are no insults in this movie. What am I to do? <laughs> what am I to do when there are no insults in this film? Fish out of water. Yeah, I feel so weird now. It's going to be a weird episode. <laughs> I can tell. This will be the nice episode. Well, I don't know about that. We'll get there. Here we go. I <laughs> tweeted out that photo of you two in the chat just moments ago. So it's going to, mm-hmm. it's getting Blowing spicy. Blowing me up. <laughs> Basically a pep Blow, talk. Blowing me up from a threat. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I see how it is. Calling me out publicly. Mm-hmm. That's what the mm-hmm. people want. For my violence. Somebody had to say something. Your frenemy relationship is beloved. Let's. Let, I will stoke <laughs> I, that fire. I beloved. it. <laughs> TBH. Perfect. I live for it. There you go. There you go. It's, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. All right. So as we kick this off, let's say uh, up top, I want to mention you can find our website at coolbreezepod.com. Email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hit us up uh, on Twitter at coolbreezepod. Whatever your preferred method of communication is, that's great. We love hearing from you. Uh, if you like what we do and you want to support it directly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash coolbreezepod. You get all manner of extras. We're doing some sticker giveaways really soon. Uh, I guess I spoiled the sticker surprise, but uh, maybe I already spoiled that. But I ordered it's them. It's not a sticker. It's not a sticker at all. It's just a piece of paper, and I drew our logo on it. That's what you That's get. That's a bad surprise. <laughs> right. You don't want it. You send it back. Uh, but if you don't want to throw any bucks our way, totally fine. Uh, A review on iTunes is the best and freest way that you can help our show spread and continue to grow in in the same trajectory that we're headed, which is really, really great. And all the reviews we've received so far, much appreciated. Love them, love them, love them. As we are wont to do when we enter a new year of Keanu's career, what we're going to do is just talk about some of the contemporary movies that were released this same year. And like 96... I think 97 is also something of a banger. Are the two of you ready? It is kind of a banger looking at this list. Yeah. There's some very good stuff on this list. I'm going to rattle these off really quickly, and then we'll do our normal uh, Evan question at the end here. But here we go. Mm -hmm. Austin Powers, The Fifth Element, Face Off, Con Air, As Good As It Gets, Men in Black, L.A. Confidential, Starship Troopers, Goodwill Hunting, Air Force One, Boogie Nights, Liar Liar, The Game, Jackie Brown... And our best picture winner for 1997 was, of course, Titanic. Whoa! Whoa. The wow. Titanic. The Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> this is wild. It's, uh, it is a list. Whitney, what are you watching for the rest of your life? Not even a question in my mind. Every year it's been like, ooh, this is a tough one. Without a doubt, Men in Black. Oh, man! Wow. Nice. Wow, not, not what I would have expected, but no, no debate, no anything. It is a hundred percent Men in Black. That's one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. It is a great. Movie. I think I think that everything about it is just so spot on. Mm. Yeah, they did yeah. a nice job. And Luke Besson is canceled, so it can't be the Fifth Element. <laughs> I just I just watched the new 
Men in Black. I'm sorry for your loss. Instantly wanted to watch the old one. <laughs> I did not see the new one, even though I was so into the casting. I did not see the new one because I didn't want to be sad. <laughs> I seem to remember us being so hopeful for it at some point on this podcast, right? I feel like we mm-hmm. talked about it. Andrew, did you watch it? No, I don't. I think we did talk about it. I was very hopeful. And then the second that it came out and I either heard nothing or not good things, I was like, well, now I can't go see it because then I'll be sad. Yeah. I mean, it was watchable, but yeah, don't have high expectations. Yeah, it's probably a good plain movie. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what about you? What are you watching the rest of your life? Yikes. Uh, I looked at this list and there are... There are two Nicolas Cage guilty pleasures on here. Not one, but two Nicolas Cage guilty pleasures. <laughs> two on of his here. biggest. I didn't realize until seeing this list. But yeah. with Face Off and Con Air, this is like the zenith of Nick Cage. <laughs> right. Yeah, these are good, good ones. Those are like two of his most notable. <laughs> like, and he's done a lot of very notable movies throughout his entire life. So, like, that's this. Certainly not to say that Face Off and Con Air are his two biggest because they're not. <laughs> Right, but they but are like it's no. like peak Nick Cage. Yeah, pretty well known. All in yeah. a year. There, so those two immediately jumped out. I haven't seen Boogie Nights in a long, long time, but I remember loving that movie. And then The Game is also a perfect mm. film by David Fincher, of course. Yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't give you The Game. I you, think it, you would not like watching Boogie Nights as the only movie for the rest of your life. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I really uh, think you would regret that decision. Honestly, I'm. You know what? I'm just going to, I think I'm going with Face Off on this one for, <laughs> for all Starship of us. Starship Troopers. I really thought you were going to say Starship Troopers. I, I strongly considered yeah, I did it. too, actually. Because it's such an underrated, uh, an underrated movie, I believe. Or a misunderstood movie, rather. I'm sure it's rated fine. But yeah, I'm going Face Off. <laughs> Nick Cage. I, I mean, the only people that I know that talk about Starship Troopers talk about it in very high regard. So yes. Yeah. Th- those are the those are probably movie people who who mm-hmm. you know have have good taste. I'm looking mm-hmm. at all uh, all of the people that listen to this. Obviously, <laughs> you like obviously people who listen to this podcast have probably the best taste. <laughs> oh, so yeah. they it's would proven. know. <laughs> it's proven. Evan, what about you? Uh, Austin Powers? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. I yeah. Just, that's one of those movies I can't turn off if I if I happen upon it. How about them apples? Exactly. <laughs> well There's done. so many good lines. Obviously, Robin Williams is like amazing in that movie. Frequent Keanu director uh, Gus Van Sant also. So there you go. There mm-hmm. you go. And the forced Boston accents are just perfectly overdone. They're not from Boston, those two? <laughs> no? Those I guys? Mean, no, they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's not forced. I mean... Okay. <laughs> the Southeast. Anyway, today. Yes. What are we talking about today, Evan? We're talking about a film titled The Last Time I Committed Suicide. Mm-hmm. And IMDb has a synopsis as such. Neil Cassidy is living the beat life during the 1940s, working at the tire yard. And philandering around town. However, he has visions of a happy life with kids and a white picket fence and that mm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directed by Stephen Kay, who's also directed things like Get Carter, Friday Night Lights, and Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. 
which is which was a great TV show. Yeah, really great. Get Carter was not uh, not terrible. It was Sylvester Stallone. That was like a, I was gonna say. Are you saying that Get Carter and Friday Night Lights are not great? Right. Is that what I'm hearing, Evan? No, I was just talking about um, one of the ones that I mm, particularly. It sounded enjoyed. like you were slamming Friday. Night <laughs> How dare! No, it's okay. I wouldn't do that. Co-starring alongside Keanu in this film is Thomas Jane, Adrian Brody, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> a real person whose name is John Doe, <laughs> mm-hmm. Claire Forlani, and Gretchen Mole, 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 Mole. Which one? Austin Powers reference there. Yeah, Mole. <laughs> so Whitney. What uh, <laughs> this is fun. What what do you want to tell us about the critical reception? Well, there is no critical reception. Huh? <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Critics, critics didn't turn out for this. No <laughs> critics turned out for this. Oh, that's great. At this time and place, uh, this this movie was not reviewed. <laughs> it's hard uh, to believe. Highly, so there is no critical score on Rotten Tomatoes. It does have a forty four percent audience score. Ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Which is probably pretty close to what I would have expected. I actually, honestly, I would have expected a little bit higher because people mm. are really into the beat generation, um, yeah. which I have a lot to talk about. And we'll get to that. Mm. But until then, um, we have a critic quote from John <laughs> Neekum, and it's just unbearably boring. Oh, Perfect. Okay, John. And then we have a user quote from Curtis L on Rotten Tomatoes, who gave it one star <laughs> and said, let's make a movie about some jerk off guy who knew Jack <laughs> Kerouac, put in lots of, quote, film school style shots and a few big names and no one will notice that it sucks a big time. And big oh time boy. is in all caps. Curtis! <laughs> Curtis was not a fan. Yeah, Curtis. <laughs> Kurdish is probably even harsher than I will be, um, and I'm notably harsh. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, why don't you start us off with if this worked for you? I was so hoping that I would get to start this off. I don't have a lot of notes, so I could keep this brief. <laughs> I hated this movie with every fiber of my being. Oh my god, Evan, what do you think about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Andrew, I like you even more than I liked you before. Wow. Let me rattle off a couple things, okay? Mm -hmm. And I I will not take a lot of time because, oh my God, this movie. It seems like to me that this movie was purpose built to annoy the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the way it was edited. I hate the way it was shot. I don't like the music or how often they seem to make references to it. I think the main character is a human dumpster fire. I hated him. I hated this guy. This is I, awesome. I came into this review. I almost turned the movie off 30 minutes in. And I was going to announce that right now where I said, I thought it would be funny if I was like, I turned it off because I barely was able to get through this. It is wow. so slow. It is so uneven. It makes so little sense. Wow. For Andrew, I'm, you know, like middle of the road. I can see what you're both saying. (laughs) Gormley, this is. This is a lot. It's good to take. It feels good to take a stand. (laughs) Now you know why Um, I'm such a a Debbie Downer all the time. No, no. It's cathartic. 
I, I feel like I'm pretty middle of the <laughs> nice. road mo- for most things, right? I'm like, oh, you have some high highs, you have some low lows, right? And then, you know, for the most part, right, this movie, it just, it triggered something. So mm. uh, I will say that just having Keanu Reeves in your movie, for me, as a supporting character, that'll get you like half a star, Right, so let's give this movie a half just by his presence. I don't think he was particularly good in this film. I also mm-hmm. disliked his character quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Also, another dumpster adjacent fire. Right, some trash <laughs> spilled out on fire. That is his character. Uh, and then we had Claire Forlani, who I have an unrequited crush on. She is a timeless beauty. You can fight me if you don't believe so. If you don't, I'm pretty sure you're soulless. That's accurate. So. It had Claire Forlani, and -hmm. she was wasted in this movie, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it had Keanu Reeves. Those are the only two, not their performances, not their characters. Just the fact that they were in this film gives it a a smidge of credit. And everything Mm. else about it is awful. Don't watch it ever. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Drawing a line in the sand. I can't wait until we get... To our rankings for this film, team. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Oh, now boy. I can't either. So I'll let either of you. I have nothing more to contribute. I mean, I'll obviously chime in when I agree with you, but it's just uh, suffice it to say, it, <laughs> the question is, did this movie work for you? And the answer is, whatever the opposite of that is, is what it did to me. <laughs> I think it didn't work for you. <laughs> oh, okay. It could be that straightforward. <laughs> sure. Oh, goodness. Whitney, go ahead. Yeah, all right. So, at the opening title sequence, I was like, yo, this this movie is Whitney bait because like the jazz <laughs> and the the like the way it was shot at the title sequence and the the font of the titles even was mm-hmm. very appealing to me. Yeah. But then the second we got into the movie and I was like, oh, this is the whole thing. I was like hard pass. Mm. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, the, the title sequence kind of oversells the restraint of the movie uh, because the movie does not have restraint. It feels very much like a, a, a film school joint to me. <laughs> Because they definitely have a style, and I feel like they went after that style hard, and I can appreciate that. There's a lot of things that they did that were very specific and intentional choices, and they stuck with it. They had the same voice throughout making this movie. None of it super appeals to me. The, you know, potentially somewhat confusing timeline sometimes and the extreme close-ups for no reason. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they did where they tried to do... More than once in this movie, I was like, totally different vibe, completely different style. But for some reason, it reminded me more than once of the movie Brick, which is a very good movie. Oh, that's a Ryan Johnson, John. Very good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of pretty much everything that he's ever made. But Brick was like his early kind of student filmy sort of movie that was very artistic in its choices and whatever. And there was a lot of things that made me think of the same kinds of choices that were being made and the same sort of, you know, artistic, stylistic stuff. But none of it really hit for me. And all of it was so repetitive, like all of the the angles and the coloring and the whatever was over and over and over again. Like Andrew said, the music in this movie is all incredible music, but 
you hear more music than you hear dialogue just because of the way that it's leveled and how frequent the music is and the way that it's occasionally like Andrew said sort of almost feels like it's being referenced the the music is all you hear sometimes and so like it gets to the point where you're like are they really gonna play another song right now and that's not how soundtracks should be yeah but I liked every single song that was on this soundtrack it was just so they they turned everything up to 11 with every decision that they made and they shouldn't have because restraint is what would have sold this movie and they didn't have any mm. and then I also have a lot of feelings about romanticizing the beat generation this film, along with every other film about the Beat Generation, possesses a, an impossibly romantic view of these people and who they were, mm-hmm. suggesting things like stealing cars and sleeping with a lot of women somehow like constitutes rebellion and is romantic. Um, not that those things aren't rebellion and romantic, but also that's not all it takes to be rebellious and romantic. They also, I, it really bothered me, but Cassidy's bisexuality which we know for a fact is a thing is very conveniently ignored there's a tiny little hint towards the beginning but they just they in no way were going with reality so like the beats believed and there's some some logic behind this but that they they believed that rigid basically anything rigid literary forms rigid rules rigid laws rigid whatever sort of perpetuate political, social, racial, sexual, psychic, and spiritual oppression. That's like their big thing is like, it will oppress you in every way that you can be oppressed is these rigid rules that everybody is following in writing and art and jazz and whatever. It's, it's repressing everybody with, in every possible way. And so their whole thing was trying to be like part of a freer, more passionate, more expressive and intuitive life but the real thing that they kind of believed in and like there's so much of the beat mentality that is 100% lined up with exactly how I think and feel I should be so devoted to the beat mentality and the beat (laughs) philosophy but I actually kind of abhor the beat generation because the excessive freedom that they kind of pushed for becomes at a certain point a celebration of like toxicity whether yes. it's toxic masculinity or toxic drug use or toxic whatever like even when they experimented with homosexuality they were still homophobic even when they hung out with everybody and espoused being you know parts of all walks of life they were still racist all they did was sleep with women and they were still misogynistic and it was like all of the ways that they talked about being like freer and more passionate they actually were just talking kind of about toxicity so i mean i don't know the rebelliousness of the beats paved the way for like all of the counterculture of the 60s right everybody has hailed the beat style of like improv and freeform and no editing and whatever so many people have talked about them being an influence so like i'm not trying to tear down the, the beat generation and what they gave to the world but on the other hand, stream of consciousness writing and poetry and music and whatever and all those things that they did is really just kind of a lazy, easy way for a junkie to write on a hangover. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, a lot of what the beats put into the world. And I feel like this movie is, is made by people who revere beats without looking at like the, the flip side of the coin. 
And so they did the same thing that I have a problem with with the beats in the kind of excessiveness of everything. The style went too far. The editing went too far. The music went too far. The dialogue went too far. And I mean, the characters themselves are based on real people. And this is, you know, like pseudo based on true events. Not really, but like kind of. They, they just didn't dial anything back. They went to sort of excess in order to, to fit the flow of like the kinds of people they were telling stories about. And they romanticize a bunch of people who are kind of just shitheads and went too far on literally every level of it. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yes. So did this movie work for you? <laughs> no, this movie did not work for me. Okay, thank God. In summation. Ev, Ev, you're up. This is your movie. Oh, I'm with you. I loved it. <laughs> Unbelievable. You're off. No, You're out. No, I did not. Uh, it was bad for everything that everyone else said, especially the, the camera work. Oh, like God. the whole scene in his apartment with him and Ben. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank what, God what? you mentioned it. Mm -hmm. What was happening? Were they just like playing catch with the camera? Yeah. <laughs> it was so shaky and twisty and weird. The zooms, there were like zooms and then like whip pans and all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff that's just like, I know it's that situation where like you, you master the rules so that you can break them. And I get it. Like, I love when that happens in a movie from someone I, whose work I like respect. I'm like, damn, nailed it. But oh my God, it did not work at all in this movie. No, it came across as amateur and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I kept trying so hard to be like, oh, cool, they're they're doing this, or they're trying to put some passion in this shot, or they're trying to inflict some emotion. But it was like, no, this is just it's wrong. <laughs> it's just incorrect. Yeah. So I don't know what was happening there, but not good. <laughs> That's what. I have one more thing I wanted to say. If we're gonna, yeah. Unless you're getting into something else, I just wanted to. I wanted to make mention of, Whitney brought it up, the language in this movie, specifically from Neil, right? It reminded me of my own private Idaho at parts, where they would slip mm -hmm. into this entirely other way of speaking. Uh, and while that mostly worked for me in my own private Idaho, uh, it did not surprisingly work for me in this film at all. I was like, what? what? Why? What is happening here? And I don't know if that was like from the book. I mean, that's a beat thing. Yeah. It sounded I, uh, I, like I, I, I haven't, I don't know anything about the like letters or letter that this was based right. on. I don't know anything about, you know, I know Jack Kerouac was friends with him. I know Jack Kerouac wrote a lot about this guy, but I have no idea how much of this is directly like lifted from text, but this is definitely 100% how the beats wrote, which is you know, it, it kind of insufferable to me. I should so, so, so like the Beats writing, and I just can't. I can get through about 12 pages at a time, and then I have to put it down because I'm like, this is making me nauseated. Get your head out of your ass. Yes, very To whoever it is. And that's, that's exactly what this movie, I felt multiple times throughout this, I was like, this movie has its head up its own ass, and I, I can't watch it anymore. Let me... Throw out a, an alternate suggestion here, and you two can tell me if one, I'm sure you've both seen it or maybe not, but Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas 
Just familiar. Mm-hmm. Terry Gilliam film. Hunter S. Thompson, I, I, you know, I would consider him to be this also larger than life figure who may or may not have done all of the things that he wrote about. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I researched him for yeah. a, for, we did a journalist episode of Historical Hotties and there he was go. my pick as a hot journalist. And based on my research, he probably did most of the things. Right. He was like a certifiably crazy person, right? He did, he got into some stuff, right? So whether you believe all of fear and loathing happens, and I'm speaking specifically about like stealing someone's adrenal gland and then using the contents of it to get high, whatever. (laughs) I mean, maybe he's, he's crazy. Like I said. I mean, I would believe it if, if, if if Hunter S. Thompson... Looked me in the face and said, "Right." I tried to, you know, do somebody's adrenal gland as a drug. I would be like, "Yeah, that tracks." Yeah, it, he's like, and he's like, it gets you very high, very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie also goes way, way in some weird directions. However, because it's Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. he knows when to like. Like, like you have said multiple times, Whitney, like rein it back mm-hmm. in because it can't be a movie like that, like this or Fear and Loathing. It can't be at 110 percent for two hours. No. Right. It, ju- it like it is not sustainable to be that way. Even movies like the Fast and Furious franchise isn't at 110 yes. percent for the entire movie. Like the quiet moments in between are what make those crazy scenes play well. Like, John Wick is another example. There's right. so much quiet in between stuff and restraint that makes all of that way over the top stuff work so well that you get really into it and it seems more realistic and it, you, you know, you stay in the movie the whole time. There are lots of people that have done over the top in ways that totally work because there's some amount of restraint somewhere, whether that's in the messaging or whether that's in the filming or whether that's in the dialogue or the acting, somebody's pulling back somewhere. And in this, no one pulled back anywhere. (laughs) Right. And it's not to say that this is even cartoony because it's not. It's just, it's like a, it's just, it's like a student film. If you think of a very high budget student film, that's what this is to me. Right. I think there have been multiple adaptations of other Jack Kerouac works to, to film mm-hmm. uh on like, the road well, definitely yeah on the road right that was uh i can't remember who was There's in a... Kristen stewart i think was in that um i don't know i, I didn't see it because of my yeah. feelings about beats right uh and then there are also multiple adaptations kill your of, darlings like, kill your darlings sounds correct uh maybe big sir i don't know but yeah that sounds correct too yeah there are also, many adaptations of like Hunter S. Thompson works, and they're generally played by Johnny Depp, where he really weirdly. And one was by well, Bill Murray. He was, he was good yeah. friends with uh, Hunter, and he felt like he could he could t- tell the story better than anyone else. That is true. So I would like literally probably recommend any of that. Right? There are there. The, I'm sure that the story of this guy, this writer, or people he knew, has been done. Can I just tangent really quickly? Yeah, please. Yeah. The first time that Johnny Depp visited Hunter S. Thompson in his home, yeah. he sat down somewhere. I don't know what the lighting situation was or whatever, that he didn't know what he was sitting on. But he goes in and he sits down and he's sitting there for like an hour talking with Hunter S. Thompson and they're doing whatever. And then Hunter S. Thompson, he's like lighting up a cigarette and 
offers Johnny Depp one and is lighting a cigarette. And then Johnny Depp realizes that he's sitting on a pile of C4 or (laughs) gunpowder or something. Literally like crates of an explosive. And Johnny Depp is like, couldn't you have said something before I said, yeah, let's smoke right now? And Hunter S. Thompson was like, meh. (laughs) Right. We we all got to go sometime, right? If I drop this lighter and the whole house explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he he lived hard like that. It was uh, that that was the first time Johnny Depp went to his home and Johnny Depp was like, I still want to be friends with this guy. (laughs) Right. I think I just made a great friend today. Uh (laughs) Dear Diary. Boy, there's a lot of stories about Hunter S. Thompson. It's uh, yeah. yeah. And endless. I have a lot of them. A wellspring. Because I did a bunch of research. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about Keanu Reeves and the Beats and the last time I committed suicide. Oh, yes. I don't want to. I don't uh, want to either. Let's just talk about Hunter S. Thompson antics instead. Well, <laughs> it's we a can total do, diversion. We can do the galaxy's favorite game, though. Oh, that'll make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that'll that. That'll make me feel better. Okay. I'm game for that game. Here we go. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh, my. This will bring it back up. Pop quiz, asshole. It will. It will. Yes. (laughs) This Here is our, we go. This is our very own Quizzo show. It's the where best the host... part of my week, Pop Quiz <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> yeah! Nice. Happy to That's be a part stuff. of it. Uh, on this little segment, the host, in this case Evan, will be asking Whitney and I each three questions worth one point. If one of us gets it wrong, the other player has a chance to steal. That's assuming it's not like a true-false question, which would be unfair. The host may also add bonus questions at the end worth a point value of their choosing. Evan, I would love to ask, how was trivia for this movie? Terrible. Terrible. So you're like, you're winging it now? There's no bonus. <laughs> oh, okay. no. All right. Yeah, we don't, we don't have you much to couldn't even go make on, something up like, uh, like Th- name your favorite Cameron Diaz movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. The uh, that's that's the real ones. Perfect. So the uh, the points are as such. Whitney has twenty four. Evan or no? Whitney has forty two. <laughs> Downgrade. <laughs> Whitney has forty two. Let's make that very clear that she's got a commanding Jeez. lead. Evan has twenty six. Or now Evan has twenty four. God damn it! I have twenty six. No, I think I have twenty six. <laughs> Evan always scrapping for points. Unbelievable. Clearly, you have errors in your documents. No, this is the big data machine. It's impossible. It's impossible to get things <laughs> wrong. It's it's never been wrong before. So I'm gonna for the listening audience. I'll start the music and then and then you can just uh, read the question. Uh, I okay. Uh, who hosted last time? It was you did. I did. You so did. I will be going first. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? correct? All right. So I'm I'm ready. Here we go. Check this out. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> okay. Andrew. Yeah. How long was the original letter that this movie is based on? Oh my god. Was it A 900 words? B 4800 words? Or C 16000 words? <laughs> All of those are too long. <laughs> right. 
Those feel generous given what we have seen on this on the, on the screen here. Well, it was slow. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, 900 words. Is that your final answer? It's my final answer. I wronged myself. <laughs> it Whitney? sucks when you have to play your own wrong sound effects. Yeah, I gotta do this to myself. Yeah. Oh. Yourself. Um, what was the most amount? Sixteen thousand. Correct. I'm gonna say sixteen thousand because I know the beats. The most amount of words is the amount of words in this letter. <laughs> Damn it! Whitney knows the beats. Advantage. That is so many words. It's sixteen thousand is a book. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What the hell? What is a script? You know, like clearly they had <laughs> yeah. to. They put. They parsed out the wrong stuff. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. All right. My understanding from my research was that pretty much only the like strange abrupt sidestep into the cherry story was from the letter oh okay oh really i assumed that all the the voiceover was from the letter i assumed that all the voiceover was essentially from the letter and then everything else in between was you know like scripted and whatever yeah the the very i always thought that the cherry part of this movie was like out of nowhere but yeah, that's apparently from the letter. That was a gross. Anyway. That was a gross part too. Anyway, all right. Yeah, Whitney. Yes. The movie was actually released two weeks late to avoid competing with which two potential blockbusters? Whoa! So put yourself in the mindset of the creators. Mm-hmm. Which two movies were they afraid of? Was it A? Con Air and Speed 2. <laughs> B, I Know What You Did Last Summer and Goodwill Hunting. Or C, The Titanic and Men in Black. Oh, damn. I'm going to say the last one just because we went through the list of movies and the other two weren't on it. And I think that some of those would have been on the list of top movies. So I'm just going to guess C based on the fact that it's the only two titles on Andrew's list. Okay. <gasps> Okay. Not often she hears that noise. I know. <laughs> it, yeah. Come on. True. Andrew, the numbers would what suggest do you think? that it's true. I'm just all right. <laughs> yeah. Could you so just those first two again, real quick? Con Air and Speed Two. Okay. Or I know what you did last summer and Goodwill Hunting. Um. Go in. Uh, Con Air Speed Two. I wow. had to wait for even, my reaction to dig even, myself. Even my second guess would not have been right. <laughs> I, I thought know, Speed 2 weird, right? was further apart from Speed than that. It's like Keanu turned down that movie potentially right. to do this one? It's it's <gasps> legitimately only based on... Well, that was three st- years, so yeah, yeah it's pretty true. close. I thought there was more like five or six years between Speed right. and Speed 2, so... Were you trying to be tricky, Ev? Were, were were one of those movies not released in 1997 or something like that, or were they all maybe tricky? <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> I don't like it. No. <laughs> okay. It's problem. Um, okay, Andrew. Here we go. You may or may not have noticed that Keanu looked a little bit more rotund in this movie. A teensy bit, yeah. How many pounds did he gain for this role? No. A, 35. 
B, 12, or C, zero? <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> uh, 35 seems excessive, right? I don't know. That seems like a Christian Bale or more level of weight well, to gain especially considering I'm thinking about when I talked about... He had, like, broken something in Chain Reaction just before yes, Chain Reaction. So he gained that, a bunch yeah. of weight before that. So for him to lose it all for feeling Minnesota and then to gain that much now, that's like a lot of back and forth in a year's time. Uh, I'm going 12. Oh I'm going 12. God, you bastard. All right. Wait. So it's 12 is wrong. 35 we just talked about. What was the other option? A zero. zero. Oh, zero is definitely not right, so it's got to be 35. Wow, that's oh, a lot of weight. Unbelievable. It is a lot of weight, isn't it? Especially considering he had just lost all of it for the last movie he shot. Whitney, talent. let me ask, what what were your thoughts on how he looked in this film? I know he was like yeah. greasy and sweaty, but you you said you preferred him like a little bit beefier. Is Does this line up with that kind of? No. I think that's just because I was filled with so much loathing for this whole movie in general and the people in it and the people it was about and everything that it was just never going to be attractive to me. Also, he did a very good thing. And I don't know if this is him or if this is makeup or if this is a combination of the two, but his eyes were always puffy. And I don't know how they did that, but his eyes were always puffy in the way that someone who drinks all the time are always puffy. And that was very unattractive. Mm hmm. But it was also the thing I was most impressed about with the whole entire movie. I was like, how are his eyes always puffy? <laughs> what kind of sorcery what is this? What are they doing? Keanu, you're not drinking yourself to death, are you? <laughs> Keanu, no. Keanu. <laughs> um, all right. Who's Terrible. up here? Whitney's up. Yeah. Whitney's up. Okay. Keanu starred alongside Jim Haney in this movie. Mm-hmm. What... What early Keanu movie were they also in together? What? Was it A, The Night Before, B, Brotherhood of Justice, or C, Permanent Record? What? There's no way. I didn't recognize anybody in this. No, I, oh, okay. So it's definitely not The Night Before. I'm going to just say that. I'm just going to eliminate, even though in the past, eliminating has burned us. Yeah, that's a a real Andrew move. You got to be careful (laughs) what you're doing. Doesn't work for him. I'm going to say, I'm trying to think of like what had the most people where I might not recognize someone. I'm going to say Brotherhood of Justice. Holy shit. Who was he in that? Because that's incredible. He was the sheriff. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. That dude was wow. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I would not. I would not have put that together. That was yeah. pure guessing based on like <laughs> amount of that's extras. Good yeah, I was, I was thinking like, he was like the same age kind of guy. Like he just happened to be a dude in the bar in this one or whatever. But oh man, okay. He was the he was the mentor figure then, right? Was that who I'm? Th- is that the guy who worked at the tire shop? Uh, yeah. In this movie. All right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Andrew. Okay. 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 I have more numbers for you. I 
hate it. I feel it. like every one of your questions has had numbers in it. That's funny. I've got um, it wrong. The original letter went missing <laughs> for how many years? <laughs> I told you it was rough times for trivia. <laughs> was it A, three years that it was missing? Was it B, 57 years? 57. Or C, 14 years? There's no way that it went missing for 57 years. There is no way. I'm going to go with uh, uh, the last one was 14. Yeah. I'm going with 14. Final answer. <laughs> well, I'm with Andrew numbers. on this one. There's no way it's 57 because that's like now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say the first A. I don't remember how many it was, but A. <laughs> <laughs> Wait so a minute. Missing when did in he... 1955? But the what? the excerpt that they that they used had been copied at one point, so that's why they used it. Um, and they found it again in like 2014 or 2012. Oh, or this is a, this is a trick question. This is a What's trick that? question. Mm-hmm. Evan, you trick you trickster bastard. Yeah, no, that is a trick question. <laughs> the okay. original letter uh, went yeah. missing. Uh, uh, the that's original copy. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. You did not like say original st- copy. You said the letter. Chat, chat, let us know. Chat, <laughs> keep us honest. The original letter went missing. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is not what was said. That is not. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. That's I'll fine. T- all right. It's, it is cool wait, that it was missing uh-huh. and we they both found got it. it. Wrong. Mm-hmm. How is original letter different than original copy? I was under the assumption that no copy was made. And that I was, was also fa- under the assumption no copy was made. I, <laughs> that was my I generally fatal assume no copy. You just said did, there was a copy. How did they, they make this movie? The like a small, small excerpt oh. of the original letter to make the movie is what they used, like a little excerpt. That had been copied. Well, yeah, but not the whole thing. <laughs> so, you know. Okay. Oh, Whatever. I like that. I can see the confusion. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trivia's tough. Trivia stuff. <laughs> By that definition, it was never lost. <laughs> exactly. So when you say a letter way, was lost, and I know that there's like stuff based on it, like books and movies, I assume that like lost means and no one had access to any of it. Yeah. Well, it they didn't to all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's right. ever really found. Anyway, Great. Yeah. Cool. Let's continue. <laughs> um, Whitney. Let me make sure I worded this question right. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Which of these was not in consideration as an alternate name for the movie? Okay, so two Mm -hmm. of them were one is not. Choices are A. To have seen a specter isn't everything. Could have been a title. B. Mm -hmm. The moon's night have been a title or c the old time lowdown could have been a title hmm. well i hate the moon's night the most <laughs> that's but a great way knowing, to... the, knowing the beat that probably means that it is one of the titles that was in consideration but i don't know they're all pretentious they are Evan, if you made one of these up and it fits in this well, well done. Buddy. Honestly, yeah. Whichever one of these you made up is great because all three of those two wait, to have seen a specter?
To have seen a specter isn't everything. Uh-huh. Moon's Night, an old-time lowdown. The old-time lowdown. <laughs> I was so impressed All right now that one terrible. of these is fake. Oh, my God. I'm just going to go with my gut and the one that I reacted to most vehemently, which is the Moon's Night, even though that's probably right because the beats are terrible. <gasps> what? Holy shit! That's incredible. Well done. Good job, Evan. Well done. <laughs> Good job, because all of those sounded plausible. I don't know where it came from. Oh. How, could you imagine a movie titled To Have Seen a Spectre Isn't Everything? That oh sounds like a James God. Bond movie, actually. That really. me. <laughs> all right. Okay. That was it. That was Pop Quiz. That was it. Oh. We did it. Okay. The points are as such. Whitney. Slides up to 46. All of, the, all of the points I got were sheer guessing in this one. Literally everything was guessing. Whatever it An takes. impressive feat, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, Evan remains at 24, obviously, and I move up to 27. So next week, Evan has the chance to, mm -hmm. to overtake me, really, truly. So He will uh, do it. And if Whitney just asks a bunch of questions about numbers, no doubt he will. Because clearly, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> What's 35 pounds? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. So, Evan, hmm. you're, you're walking us through this, uh, this thing, I guess. You know, I mean, if you don't want to. I'd be all right. I will, but it will take all of 10 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> That's I fine. Here's my notes. <laughs> Yo with seven O's, this entire opening title sequence is Whitney Bait. Two, in all caps, Adrian Brody looks like a little baby. Yeah. Mm. End of notes. <laughs> After Adrian Brody's scene, I was like, I'm not taking any notes for this. Are you talking about, so there are two scenes. Is it the one in the apartment or the one where the they're The very first time we see Adrian football. Brody. Okay. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, wow. Adrian Brody looks so young. Yeah. All Gretchen right. Mull looks almost identical to how she looks in Boardwalk Empire, which how is she not yeah. aged in this time? Um, it's crazy. Yeah. She looks almost exactly the same. Everyone else has aged a little bit, but like Adrian Brody has changed a lot from yeah, yeah. this movie to now. But yeah, those are literally all my notes. So let's get, let's go. Let's. <laughs> okay. Let's Here rip this out. Speed round. <laughs> Start with a little background here. So this is told from Neil Cassidy's perspective in the form of a letter. And we begin with the day of Joan's suicide. And so, well, suicide attempt. So Joan is um, the main female in the in the movie. She's a girlfriend of sort. Maybe maybe wife. No, I think it was girlfriend. And Basically, from here, there's just a bunch of back and forth. It's a bunch of, like, bouncing between current and past. And the past is always surrounding the suicide attempt and the moments thereafter. So we see Neil sitting outside uh, in the hall of the, of the hospital room where Joan, uh, the character, is recovering from this attempted suicide. And then we jump back to the day before the suicide attempt. And there's like a huge romantic scene of him stealing her from her job for lunch and they're running in the rain and it's so fun and playful. Um, 
It's raining way too hard. It's very unnatural rain. And then they have like a really nice night together. And, but she's like bummed. Did you guys feel this like pit in your stomach? Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Never really getting an idea of why she was so upset. Mm, no. I mean, I think that's, I don't know. She's got very emotive eyes. Clearly, that's one of her, you know, trademarks, I guess. And when they were laying in bed, is that what you're talking, the one where they were laying in bed? That scene? Yeah. It, I was like, wow, something's very wrong. But Yeah, but I just that, kind of thought that it was like a, a yin and yang. Like, she's so low-key and serious, and he's so high-key and off the wall, and like... She's just feeling tired of his antics. That's what I got from, like, the very first thing. Like, him busting into her work and being loud and being disruptive and not just saying, like, I want to take you out, like, leave work early. But him literally annoying everyone around them. I kind of, that was the impression that I got from the get-go was when she was more low-key and when she wasn't, like, playing along with his bits and when she seemed sadder or more down, it was definitely didn't seem like a, a sad thing to me so much as a... I am tired of you and your bit. Hmm. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I like that. Annoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, So Neil keeps saying he loves her. And then we jump back to the hospital room and it's mostly quiet. And then Neil, she's like, you got to get out of here. This next shot was either awesome or awful (laughs) where he like gave her the flower and then he teleported seemingly from the hospital room to the floor outside, to the ground outside the window. And now the flower was on the windowsill. Yes. Uh, I, di- I really wanted to like it. And I think at this point in the movie, I was like, oh, cool. There's going to be like cool shit in this movie that they do. <laughs> and now in hindsight, I'm like, no, I, I hated it. Yeah. That was but, your first mistake. <laughs> it was very strange. It was just like suddenly he's in the hotel room and then they panned over to the window and now he's on the ground outside the window. So, I don't know. It was it was an attempt, but something didn't work. Anyway, we keep moving. And so there's basically, you're starting to learn that Neil doesn't want to go back to the hospital. He's like in his own head and he doesn't like being there. And he's thinking about like a new life already. Pretty mm-hmm. selfish. And now we're with Ben, with which is, is Neil's friend. And um, he's basically, like, asking him if he's been back to the hospital. Neil's like, no. And then he's like, then they're hanging out together in his apartment, which was the scene that I hated, where they're, like, awful camera angles darting everywhere. <laughs> and... Neil starts to get a little, like, manic and starts telling Ben about this story he wants to write. And so then they, like, eat bread. Oh, God, I hated that whole scene. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They do eat just a loaf of bread, yeah. Yeah, they eat bread and drink coffee. And then, Whitney, to your point, there's, like, a weird homophobic moment that was completely out of left field. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Anyway. Um, like very obvious. So then finally Neil is going to hang out at like the local pool hall uh, or bar, I guess, that has a pool table in it. Mm-hmm. And he 
encounters Keanu's character, Harry. And Harry from the jump seems to be someone who's generally not good for people. Like, don't spend too much time with this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he comes off as like boozy and sleazy from the jump. Yep. Yeah. Total scumbag. He's like introducing Neil to what looks like high schoolers. Yeah. Um, and that's and, because they are. Yeah. And then they they pick up these high school girls and they go on this road trip in a stolen car, which was another very annoying scene. It was a beautiful car, though. That was a Ford Super Deluxe, which is like an incredible convertible car. But um, they they go on this like strange drive through fields. It was actually beautiful with the mountains in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was filmed in California. So um, really, really pretty scenes, but it was super random. They're like... It didn't mesh. Did you notice how they were like screaming and shouting, but they were just driving down a dirt road? It didn't. Yes. <laughs> didn't seem like there was anything like truly edgy happening that would invoke that reaction or evoke that react and in- invoke, evoke, mm-hmm. evoke. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know that that scene really threw me off. It I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then they randomly sleep out on this in the car and neil's like missing Mm -hmm. because he's off with one of the girls it was so strange so they do this and then we're back at neil's job he works at a tire plant as we talked about before and then we're introduced to jerry who's like this older guy that works with neil who's kind of neil's backboard for reason i guess he's kind of this guy that he is treating like a father figure of sorts. Yeah. And, and Jerry finds Neil like pretty high on top of a mound of tires. <laughs> He's counting the tires and throwing them around real strange, but he saves him from getting in trouble with like the big wigs at the company by making him like sober up. So strange. So eventually Joan is back so he's been ignoring joan in the hospital for all this time and neil effectively gets bamboozled swindled into going back to um another woman's house but before all this uh i should mention that like side story that i didn't like (laughs) which was this this other woman that neil found during his downtime of like feeling bad for himself and and joan he found this girl, Cherry, that everybody called her. And they had like a pretty intense relationship that was really just like sex and, and doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty cliche relationship. Like parents didn't want him around because she's like this perfect little thing. And they try to keep him away from her. But they have this like insane relationship. I do so, have to say, I'm skipping ahead in the timeline of the movie. But when the priest comes over for dinner and knows him yeah. was the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> it was the only time that I was like, this that is engaging. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that gets to a point where the parents are like, I know how we'll fix this. We'll make a priest come talk to them. And so. Cause the mom knows the mom knows this guy's beat and he sleeps around and he, yeah. whatever. And he's bad news. 
and she's she's got his number and so she's like i'm gonna have the priest come over yeah it's ineffective as you might imagine Mm -hmm. and so you're kind of getting this feeling that's like okay neil and cherry are a thing but the whole time you can't really you can't really subscribe to that relationship because joan is still like a very unfinished character in the movie Mm -hmm. so that's what i didn't like about it it's like they didn't there was no opportunity for me to become invested in their relationship. Like, they say that the character, the main character, thought she was dead, thought she was dying, couldn't handle that, and walked out. And so, like, he had essentially written her off as gone. Yeah. One way or another. But as a viewer, you didn't get that. No, like, not that at did all. not come across to the viewers. So you, this movie starts with them being in love and him doing romantic gestures and whatever, and then her trying to commit suicide. And it's like for the, all of us, we're like, okay, but that's not done. But for him, he's like, okay, that's done. And it's like, wait, what? This the is whole- the dumpster fire of a person coming out, where it's just like <laughs> he just stopped going, he just stopped caring, and yeah. as like dead to me is is essentially how i took yeah. that and tried to justify it yeah such trash sorry <laughs> andrew's just a movie <laughs> i hate him no he really existed and if this is who he was he didn't really oh exist yeah. yeah that's true <laughs> this is not as bad though i get i mean i don't get but i also at the same time kind of get not being able to deal with the enormity of someone killing themselves who you love True. Like, I, I can, totally understand yeah. having to bail because even if she does yeah. live, working through not being enough and how to help her and if you can help her or if it's beyond your control and all of that stuff, like, I get that being too much and you having to bail because it's too much. Yeah. Later on, everything that he does in the last half hour of the movie, 20 minutes of the movie, that I can't. I almost, oh, I was so mad. I was so yeah. mad. Such. Yeah. Ugh. There was a, a good moment where he said, where the voiceover said something to the effect of, I never asked her why. And I thought that was good that they put that in there. Like that he never wanted to find out why she attempted it. Mm-hmm. So he's swindled by like a, a beautiful woman in a red dress at a bar to come back to to her house. And it's all just to get him to interact with Joan again. So Joan is at this house staying with her friends. Um, and, and Neil's all, you know, stricken with some kind of emotion that didn't really come across in his face. <laughs> and he's like, great, we're going to do the life that I dreamed about, that I've been dreaming about with the picket fences and, and whatever. So he's like, but I need a suit so we can get married, and my buddy Ben has it. So I gotta go get my suit. Not so they can get married, because someone's setting him up with a good job that's a day job oh. and not a, a graveyard thing. So he can interview for a job. That's so right. So he can right. interview for a job is why he needs the suit. And he has and bought then, this suit with two other friends. So the three of them co-own this suit. So it's like const- it's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants, but with a suit. <laughs> <laughs> but the brotherhood of the traveling suit. <laughs> Also, they're all shitty and right. sleep with yeah, too many people. Are. Would not so, watch that movie. <laughs> either. Yeah. That's not to say that there's too many people to sleep with. I do want to not slut shame here. 
uh, because I'm, yes. I'm probing slutty. It's the fact that you're using that to cover up dealing with your problems, which he clearly does in this movie. Instead of dealing with the fact that his love tried to kill herself, he immediately is like, ooh, who's the nearest 17-year-old that, that I can is also a little bit, to me, again, that is, that's some scumbaggery up there because <laughs> what are we to believe here age-wise he is it's established he's 19. That Keanu... they say in the movie he's 19 oh okay because yeah. Keanu's character a... is established to be 30 something yeah Keanu Reeves is the uh, is 32 but they ask him at that dinner they say are you 21 and he says no I'm about yeah. to turn 20 Got so it. he's 19 okay. so 17 and 19 is fine I'm okay all with right. that that's not a big okay. deal to me of all of the scumbaggery that happens in this movie, that's the least of it. Um, I'll say Thomas yeah. Jane looked a li- like in real life as a person looked. At, he was certainly older than nineteen oh, in this I'm movie. Sh- uh, he but, was easily oh, like twenty five. So I was I was projecting that, but okay, fine, yeah, got it. But yeah, no, they say they say that he's about to turn twenty in the film. They said that while you were checking Apple News on your phone. You know? I certainly, yeah. I got up to get a snack and I didn't pause it. I was like, oh, God, anything here. All right. I need a snack. I just need a break. Um, stress <laughs> right. eating. So who else does he run into while he's going to get this suit other than Harry, who's also drunk? And surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Bad Harry. That's some bad hat here. Um, oh, he he's like, hey, come get a beer. You know, uh, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's be friends. And Neil makes a feeble attempt to not do that. He's like, hey, but I have to get a jacket. We're now at the point of but, the movie where I was livid. Listen, yeah. oh, we're now in the Welcome. last half hour to 20 minutes of the movie where he has kind of reunited with his girlfriend who he abandoned at the hospital after she committed suicide and basically left her for dead and didn't talk to her for a long time. And then someone forces him to reunite with her. Mm -hmm. And he, and he's like, Oh wait, I'm in love all over again. And they're like planning all these plans and building a life together and living together. And he's going to get a suit to get a job so that he can provide for her and blah, blah, blah. And then he's immediately waylaid by the very first thing. It's not even like, a super great offer yeah let me buy you a beer it's not even like 15 half naked women are like please hang out with us it's like his drunk older 12 year older friend bar rat keanu reeves is like let's hang out and he's like oh okay it's christmas and they're like and and keanu reeves is like i'm drunk hang out with me because i'm sad and lonely and instead of (laughs) saying you know what i've got someone more important than you to get back to who thinks that I'm running out on her already. Like they established before he even left the building that she yeah, was right, like, you're yeah. running out on me. And he's like, I'm not running out on you. I'm just going to get a suit. She was going to go with him because she was so concerned he was running out on her. Yep. She should have. <laughs> she should have been concerned. Right. But again, if if no one showed up for me again in the hospital, I would, you know, that would be it for them, for me. But right. That's a whole Terrible. other thing. Harry and Neil spend what seems like 200 years in this bar. <laughs> it is literally the longest scene of the movie. And I don't know that. I don't know that it actually literally is, but it feels like the longest scene of oh, the movie. It's so slow because there, there are so many times where Neil's like, I got to go. 
Keanu Reeves is like, you're, I want to bet in Gretchen Mall. And the guy is like, you know, you're 32 and she's 17 and that's weird. And also I still kind of have feelings for her just because my dead girlfriend is back. Doesn't mean that like, I don't still have feelings for her. And he keeps yeah. pushing and pushing and pushing. And the guy just gives in and he's like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll call up my girlfriend for you. I hate it. I hate all of it. It's so bad. Yeah. And every minute that passes, they cut every so often back to the girlfriend who committed suicide, who's waiting for him to get back with this suit, like pacing and looking at the clock and waiting for him and not going to bed. And she's just like heartbreaking. Yeah. Poor Claire Forlani. Yeah. What a jerk. I'm like, how do you not come back to Claire Forlani? Seriously. How is bloated Keanu Reeves better <laughs> than coming home to Claire Forlani? Easy, easy. Eggnog mixed with beer. Remember Gross. who we're here talking about today, everybody. No, I get it. Keanu Reeves. I, I get it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm on this podcast. I understand. But right. also, uh-huh. Keanu Reeves come is on. no Claire Forlani. Uh, That's oh, accurate. Oh, oof. All right. I'm right. I'm putting it in the big data machine. I'll just put that in there. <laughs> yeah, put it in the big data machine because no computer or person in the world will argue with me on that. <laughs> no matter what your feelings on Keanu Reeves' attractiveness, it still doesn't reach Claire Forlani's attractiveness. So Harry makes Neil call up this Cherry Mary girl. And. This is effectively Neil's ex-girlfriend now, basically. Although she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that. He's like, hey, break uh, up with true. your girlfriend. And then while you're on the phone, tell her that my, your 32-year-old friend wants to date her. Yeah. And Cherry Mary isn't having it. She knows what's happening. She is wildly uninterested. And so she's like, wait, let's focus on you instead, who's the guy I like and who mm-hmm. isn't a creepy alcoholic 32 year old who hangs out at bars exclusively and hits on teenage girls yes she's 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 not unaware of what's happening she just continues to avoid the subject of what's happening the entire phone call because she doesn't want to deal with the fact that she is wildly uninterested in this bar rat who's you know significantly her senior so during this phone call things get pretty steamy as they're as she's like recounting some of their sexcapades She's clearly trying to keep him from breaking up with her by being as sexy as possible. Yeah. Any means necessary. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that, so she's like, cool, I'm going to sneak out of the house and come hang out with you guys. But what we find out is that mom was listening in on that call. Oh, boy. For all you young folk out there, there was a time. (laughs) <laughs> in households when parents could listen could, in on the other phone <laughs> it was horrendous and terrifying so this mother calls the police she's like this guy basically just admitted to a whole lot of bad and you gotta arrest him and plus she's like has some political stature so this was actually like I kind of chuckled a little bit at this part of the movie I was like oh, wow this guy Really screwed up his night. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Really messed it up a lot. So that's kind of funny. And so now he's going to jail. But Mary, Cherry Mary, isn't going to testify. So Neil's charges are dropped. But they hold him 
for a different suspicion of burglary, like a different charge. And that's mostly, again, the mom just like being, wanting to keep him away from Cherry, Mary. Flexing. She's flexing. Mm-hmm. Flexing, exactly. So he spends a few days in jail and then he like runs from jail all the way home, gets lost on the way, but he makes it. So, so much anticipation. <sighs> and so he gets to Joan's house, but it's empty because it's, I guess it was, it could have been everybody was asleep. It was like 1230. Yeah. It was I mean, late. Yeah. So. The entire time I was like, they're building up to her committing suicide again. Oh, yeah. Could, oh, no. I didn't think that. I did. Wow. Wow. The that entire time been. I was like, she's like, okay, she's got her life back. She's planning future plans. And then he walks out on her like she thinks. Like she thinks he is and doesn't come back and then she's commit suicide again. Luckily, that's not what we see happen on screen because could have, though, it could have been. We don't know because no one answers the door and it's just an empty house. And that mm-hmm. could be it because everybody is asleep or it could be because no one's there because they're all at the hospital. Forever but asleep. My read of it is that she's strong enough to just go to bed and be like, fuck that guy. I hope. Me too. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, no one's there. He kind of like snuggles up on the porch for a minute to sleep, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Nah," and he leaves the porch, and then he full on sprints and torpedoes into a car to steal it. Which was, <laughs> was very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I, I feel like if you're gonna steal a car, you kind of like quietly walk up to it. Nope. But not this he, guy. This guy's like, yo, everybody, I'm stealing imagine, a car. Yeah. Imagine you like rolled the window down and then walked away from it like 40 feet and then full sprint ran back at the car and swan <laughs> and did like a pencil dive through the window. That's what this yeah, guy did. Pretty much. So this right here, I was like, this is so dumb. The guy isn't, it's late at night. Just hang out till sunrise when somebody's going to go to work and figure out what's going on. Like why I, I got lost here. Was it he that is a piece got of that, human detritus? Mm-hmm. Right. But in his mind, in his mind, is it because he got that taste of that like edgy life again and liked it and now wanted to be solo and start over. No, it's because he can't think about anyone other than himself for more than five hours. So five hours elapse and he's like, I got to be out of here because I can't think about anyone else anymore. So, yeah, he finishes writing the letter that he opened that the movie opened with and he puts it in an envelope. And then he picks up what we are meant to believe is the novel he's been writing and throws it in the air. And then he disappears. And then, mercifully, the movie was over. <laughs> well, and then there's, like, all this text on the screen that's, like, I didn't read. Right. But it was it was pretty... It, well, it was actually pretty well summed up by the review from Curtis. Uh, <laughs> if you remember, where uh, it's a movie about some jerk-off guy who knew Jack Kerouac. That's basically what it boiled down to. Right? For better yeah. or worse. Yeah. Not, not great. Oh, oh God. So... That's it. <laughs> Ta-da! 
Roll. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Gotta end on a high note. <laughs> I mean, listen, they're not all going to be winners. And this is exactly the reason. I think this is a very good. The last two movies have been a very good um, reminder to me of why Keanu Reeves was not thought highly of until recently. Oh. Because he would have big highs, but also immediately then like two pretty big lows. Like Feeling Minnesota, not a great movie. You know what's even worse than Feeling Minnesota? The next movie that came out, which was the last yeah. time I committed suicide. <laughs> and so it was so hit and miss for him for so long that the the consistency just wasn't there. And that's not to say that he isn't consistent. Although I do think when he is not feeling a script, he phones it in. I do think that's true. I could believe I that. I don't necessarily think he phoned this one in. I actually think he did a pretty good job. It's just his character was shitty. Yeah. Um, I think he committed to being this guy pretty well. Like, like I said, I don't know what the ideal was, but the constantly puffy eyes was amazing to me whatever he did or whether that was just an expression or whether they were blowing menthol powder in his eyes like they do to make actors cry or whatever he was committed to it and he did a very good job um feeling minnesota i didn't feel like he was 100 percent in dracula he wasn't 100 percent in and he even admitted that mm -hmm. but i just feel like not even speaking about his technical ability but even more so the movies that because he says yes to so much stuff there's just real high highs and real low lows. And there's not any period of his career that has been super consistent for a super long time, with the exception of the last several years, which is why he's there's the Keanu Sans is happening and everyone's obsessed with him is because <laughs> he hasn't had the the these kind of movies that are so terrible that are like bottom of the list movies. You know. Yeah, in a long time. A and he's had movies that maybe people wouldn't recommend. But when you're talking like the last five years, the lows haven't been as low. And so people are seeing the strengths more than they're seeing the weaknesses. Well put. Well put. So, <laughs> given, given that we've uh, just discussed this in great, de in great detail, mm -hmm. I, would, I would put that kind of emphasis on it. Great detail. Would you recommend this movie i would not recommend this movie evan come on i buddy. would recommend you don't watch it oh, what a twist <laughs> what a twist the turn the pledge <laughs> and the prestige in just a few words <laughs> oh my goodness i also would not recommend this movie uh mm -hmm. believe it or not i know you know up top it was a little ambiguous i would not recommend this movie mm -hmm. i am actually Going to take it a step further. Uh-oh. Are you taking it one step away is the question. Yes, a new king has been crowned. Ooh, this Lordy. is my least favorite movie that Keanu no Reeves has way. ever done. I, You could not pay me to watch this movie again. Wow. Ever. I would rather watch the one with the terrible music cues that was clearly recorded by a VHS camera pointed at a television than this. That's where I am. Wow. Wait. Stamped wow, it. Wow, Sign wow. sealed delivered. I appreciate it. I like opinionated Andrew. <laughs> Hold on. You're telling me yep, that you would sit down and watch one step away again before yes. watching this. 
One step away was 32 was, minutes. But, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's easier to do. Yeah. I'll take it. Damn. Honestly, you've convinced me. Oh, God. <laughs> because I was just thinking about it. I had it. So as of last week, feeling Minnesota was second to last with one right. step away being in last place. But now that I think about it, I would rather watch that junkie and that payphone booth interaction again for one yeah. step away, which was so wild to me. And the who knows what direction across Canada he's traveling in and the 28 to 32 minutes of whatever that nonsense was. I'd rather watch that yes. again than watch this Come again. Come to the so dark I think side. Right. Join it's, me. I think I'm going to join you, Andrew, in yes. this movie being the last on the list. Yes. Mm -hmm. A Can't new king it. has been crowned. Evan, if you put this in your top 10, I'm going to, you're <laughs> off the show. Where is it falling? Wow. Yeah. Andrew is it's, laying down limits. Got him. Yeah, no, it's fine. Go ahead. I, I mean, if you put this up at the top, I mean, I, I will not understand it, but I, I respect, you know, your right to have an opinion. It's, uh, it's just above one step away. I can't watch that again. <laughs> All right, you left us in suspense there for a moment, but that's okay. Because right. you never know with Evan. You, you know, this whole episode going the way that it has and him agreeing with you and me and how much we didn't like it and everything. It might be number four on the list. You don't know. <sighs> it's... No. I was worried there. I had some apprehension. So... You might be like, Ev it goes speed, point break, chain reaction, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's not on brand. We need more... <laughs> It's Evan is nothing else if not a, a brand, according to his top three there. So very good. Oh, yeah, that's me. That clocks in at number 25 for Evan and 26 for Whitney and I. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take from that what you will. If you're listening, that's that's where we fall on this movie. Mm -hmm. I will say if you're one of the people who romanticizes the language of the beats and the lifestyle of the beats, you would probably like this movie. It is, um, I come down pretty hard on it because of my personal feelings about the beat generation and the, you know, sort of like toxic masculinity and everything else that they espouse. Um, and I believe that writers should edit their work, etc. Right. But I do know that there's a lot of people out there who hold the beat generation in very, very high regard. And I think that if that's the case, you probably will like this movie because a lot of the voiceover very much has that stylistic sort of language. The content of it is no different than any Ginsburg or Kerouac or, you know, any of those. Um, if that's your thing, watch it. Give it a chance. If that's not your thing or if you don't know if it's your thing, then give this one a pass. All right. I even like, I just like the discussion with the two of you, truly. Like this was an... Anybody else, if it wasn't Keanu Reeves, if it, if I didn't have this as an outlet and I just had to be angry to myself <laughs> and whoever was in my immediate vicinity at any given time, this would have been a much worse experience. But I was, yeah, this no, was a great vent. After the last couple of movies where this movie I was not going to turn off, even though I did not like it at all. And in fact, it is the last on my list. I was more ready to turn off feeling Minnesota at certain points, but that's just because it was not as, I don't know. I would rather watch feeling Minnesota again than watch this again, but I never thought about turning this one off. But like 
This makes it worth it. The conversation afterwards makes sitting <laughs> through some of these movies worthwhile because yeah. this was fun. And as as much as we have to sit through and grind out some of these films, it's it's always in the in the end. I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, it's true for this now, conversation. I'm I'm yep. more keenly aware of the things that I don't like, which mm-hmm. is probably just as important as knowing what you do like. I think so. so. There. Okay, the back half of September is very, very exciting. The next two weeks are... Holy shit. Hot potatoes. Can't wait. Next week, Whitney is leading us through The Devil's Advocate. I am. So, we've talked about this already. I'm so curious to see how this plays out. It's going to be so interesting. I mean, very... I think of all of the movies on this whole list, this is the one I'm most curious about because everything else I either haven't seen or have seen and have some kind of feelings about, even if I don't remember everything. This one, I so strongly remember the impression that I got from the movie and certain (laughs) visual scenes from the movie and maybe a line here or there, but it's all sort of vignettes because this movie made a big impression on me, but like not as a story more so as like a a thing that I, I don't know that consumed me. I don't know. It was like, it's just, (laughs) it's such a, such a visual and, and shocking and so many things. There's, but it, I haven't seen it since basically it came out on video. Same, um, yeah. So you're talking 98 or so. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it once since. So the things that I remember about it, I don't remember any storytelling. I don't remember any cinematography. I just remember that it made a very big impression on me. And there's scenes that I can picture in my mind clearer than I can remember some of my own birthdays. Hmm. That's, that's something. That certainly is something. There's something to be said for that, but also I have no idea if this is going to hold up. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> to my recollection, this movie's pretty buck wild, and yeah. I think that there's a lot of it that, when I was a teenager in my you know early teens, I didn't have any feelings about one way or the other. But that me Whitney now, with all of her thoughts and feelings, has a lot of opinions about. Like, I don't know where on on sort of the social justice scale this falls. Right. That is the scariest thing, because, like, uh, you know, it could just be like, oh, the politics of this movie are just not great. And I honestly can't remember. I will say we had I post our uh, rundowns of what the schedule is for like the month. Right. (laughs) And uh, I think. You, I think she's a mutual of ours, Whitney. Elise, you know Elise? By any I do chance? not, but I saw, I saw what she tweeted, yeah. Right. So she wrote, first of all, that she had no idea that The Devil's Advocate and The Matrix are back, were back-to-back films, which is that, Honestly, kind of, that's <laughs> nuts. I had no idea of that either. It's awesome. But, like, think about that. Think about feeling Minnesota <laughs> and the last time I committed suicide back-to-back. And then immediately right. followed by The Devil's Advocate and The Matrix back-to-back. What And all four of those happening? movies are back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. And that's why Keanu Reeves did not have a good reputation for most of the <laughs> 90s. I, well, yeah. All right. 
that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, Elise said that she is still scarred by the devil's advocate mm-hmm. and that she would never watch it again. Mm-hmm. And, and she said that she has not revisited it since it was on video. Now, so, the question is, is she going to revisit it with us? Is she going to watch it in order to listen to our, yeah. She will not watch it. She will, she said she was very interested to hear what we had to say, but she will not be rewatching because it made quite an impact on her. So Elise, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you. (laughs) We will, we will do our best to walk through this, you know, with, uh, you know, some caution as it were. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hi Elise. I mean, like, (laughs) if I had to put from memory alone. If I had to put The Devil's Advocate next to one movie as like this yeah. movie is comparable, I think, and this again is just from memory. This is not me knowing anything about this, but like I would put it next to The Cell. Oh yeah, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, but also kind Vince of Vaughn. like if the movie Dogma and the movie The Cell had a baby, like <laughs> okay, all right, like there's sort cool. of a of a, of a <laughs> Kevin Smithy sort of attitude to. But but visually and and sort of in in tableau, sort of like the cell. That's how I remember right. it being. Okay, mm. I'd be curious. Uh, I'd be curious if that holds up. I don't know if that's how it's going to play out, but in 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 my mind's eye, that's what it is. Another one of our uh, mutuals, a bit follower on Twitter, James mm-hmm. James underscore Librarian. The movie, The Devil's at he works at a library, mm-hmm. uh, James Librarian, weirdly enough. <laughs> today, today, someone donated The Devil's Advocate to his library, and he sent us a picture to, to <laughs> indicate that. And if that isn't serendipity, I don't know what is. James, we're excited for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Watch along with us. Hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We've all seen that. Uh, but we have no memory of it. It's a weird uh, void in our minds. But uh, mm-hmm. can't wait. Yeah, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this this episode, which was honestly we so talked cathartic. about it more than I thought we would. Yeah, I really thought we were all kind of gonna kind of be like, <laughs> and then that's well, the end we of were. the episode. <laughs> we just did. A, we just did a lot of it. We just did we that. Just for used a lot of an words. hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of words to say, essentially right. what you, that sound you just made. So we probably could have cut, shaved the time quite a bit. Yeah, so. I mean, it could have been like a one minute podcast and we all just went. <laughs> you should have. Yeah. Let's scrap this. Um, everybody stick around for like five <laughs> minutes. We're going to start over this, right. this live stream. Whitney will make that sound. I'll wrench. <laughs> I'll wrench for about five minutes. <laughs> and then, yeah. All right. <laughs> and then Evan will, he'll choose his preferred sound effect. Give it Ooh, an extreme gong. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> we'll be back next week with The Devil's Advocate. But until then, Whitney, where else are you on the internet? Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And you can find all my other podcasts there. But I feel like I've given you a lot of my thoughts and feelings tonight. So we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> follow me on Twitter if you're interested in more. Perfect. Perfect. Ev? Yeah. <laughs> Where might someone find you if they were, they, they, you know, 
if Elise or James, you know, they were they were like, he said hi to me. It was a personalized message. Uh, let me reciprocate and follow Evan. Where where would no, they do that? They don't want to do that. <laughs> don't waste your time. Um, uh, just you know, Instagram, Evan Acre. Uh, very active, super, super, super active Instagram. So go check it out. Are you an influencer yet or not yet? Close? I can't, I can't speak to that. Okay. Special agreements. You've, okay. Hey, look, I understand. Non-disclosures. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Fun. Fun all around. You can follow me on pretty much any platform, uh, at Dark Driving, uh, Twitter and Instagram are are the best there, uh, but I like people just following this show. So just subscribe to this; it's great. Every day, ta- every day I look to the numbers, I'm like, oh my god, you people, you're the best. So uh, do that, do that. Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. a flawless stream flawless without <laughs> flaw mm-hmm. as per usual. <laughs> right with the exception of the time that i confused samuel l jackson and morgan freeman for an entire episode they've all been flawless i wrote it down one way without even thinking about it and then i had to counteract what was in front of my eyeballs the entire recording i was very grateful thank you You did what all of the beats should have done and edited your work. (laughs) Mm, Got him. Badoom.